Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with a friend of the podcast and Assistant Director of Admissions for Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business, Allie Torres. Allie and I recently connected to debunk some common myths about our part-time MBA and executive MBA formats here at Darden. If you are considering our part-time MBA or executive MBA, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here's my interview with Allie Torres. Allie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. How's everything going? How are you doing? Going good. You know, we're right at the start of the cycle. Um, we, we had a couple rounds with Executive MBA. We just finished our first part-time round. So things are going well. It's an exciting time of year. For sure. A lot happening, as always. We're also starting to get back out on the road. Uh, we're doing some one-on-one consultations. I know you've been having some of those meetings here locally, and you'll be heading out to Richmond, and I'm going to go to Baltimore, New York City. I think you'll be in Norfolk as well. So, golly, man, I'm so excited to get out there and meet some prospective students in their own backyards. How have your conversations been going? They've been going so good. I, I think it's it's great to, to meet people in person and, and really interact with them and start to engage Um and speak about the program and really help them through the process. And so it's been really great to, um, to just see them, meet them. And then I'm so excited to get on the road and go down to those places. Yeah, the other thing uh, that's exciting, in the next couple of months, we're going to have some in-person class visits. Uh, recording this here in uh, late October, and we actually have class visits next weekend um, here in Roslyn, which we've kind of revamped the class visit this year a bit. Uh, previously, it was just you know, come for a class visit. If you can stick around for lunch, great. Uh, now it's really kind of class followed by lunch or lunch followed by class. Really wanted to make it, you know, a full experience, give you the opportunity not just to observe a case discussion, but also have lunch with the current students. So in really two, two and a half hours, you get a lot of information about the program and also get to spend time in the space where our executive MBA program uh, part-time MBA students have have class, um, and I, I think that's really helpful in terms of visualizing uh, what the experience is like from the student perspective. Definitely, I agree with that. Um, as we've seen, students do this new format and sit down, and and usually they have dinner for part-time or you know lunch or breakfast with um, executive, and so it's it's fun to see them meet with the students, sit down, talk with them, um, mingle, and hear about their experiences. And then go up and get that classroom experience and see the case method in action. All right. Well, Allie, you and I have a lot of conversations with prospective students looking at Darden's working professional MBA programs, which the purpose of this conversation, just to be clear, what we're talking about is part-time MBA and executive MBA. And when we talk with candidates, uh, I know from our conversations that we often find that people have a lot of like formed ideas or maybe misunderstandings of who... uh, who these students are, where they're coming from, what the experience is like, what kind of degree you earn at the end of it. And so thought it'd be fun just to try to answer some of these questions here on a podcast, knowing that we got a lot of prospective student listeners here, people who come to the podcast for information about uh, these programs. I just thought it might be helpful to address some of these common myths uh, about working professional MBA programs. Do you feel up for it? Yeah, no, I'm excited to do it. I think as we've had these conversations, these have been common uh, questions that have come up, and so excited to go through that. 
All right. And I'll note, generally what we're talking about here will apply uh, to both executive MBA or part-time MBA, but there may be the occasional myth that we just focus on one of the programs uh, for uh, when we're speaking about it. Uh, let's start with, I think, probably one of the most common misconceptions. This used to come up all the time um, with executive MBA in particular, but I think it's worth talking about just a general framework uh, for all of Darden's MBA formats. Some people thought, hey, is the executive MBA a different degree? Uh, than the MBA that our, our full-time MBA students earn. And so what do you say when somebody says, hey, is it is it a different degree? Yeah, I, I like to tell prospective students that no matter the MBA format you choose, whether it's executive MBA or part-time, you're getting the same degree as, um, as the full-time students. So you're getting that Darden MBA. Um, the part-time and executive MBA formats were thoughtfully created to provide working professionals an opportunity to pursue their degree without having to interrupt their career. Um, but they still complete the same Darden core curriculum um, and the electives and go through the same process. Yeah, there's four formats of one MBA here at Darden. I have the full-time MBA format, which is a two-year residential program down in Charlottesville. We have the part-time MBA, which is our newest MBA format, which was introduced, uh, gosh, uh, just, a, just a few years ago. We we're currently recruiting the third class of part-time MBA students. And then you have our executive MBA program that has within it two formats. So you have an MBA format and a GEMBA format. Everybody's part of the same class moving through the program together. I had the executive MBA programs like part-time MBA is based up here in the DC area. It's a working professional program, as Ali mentioned, but everybody graduates with the exact same degree. The diploma says the same thing. I think it's an important thing to for students to know. And, and to your point, um, the reason for the fact that you know, people earn the same degree is because there's a lot of commonality, a lot of shared DNA across these programs. So another common question that we get about executive MBA and part-time MBA is, well, Tell me about the academic experience. Is, is it really the Darden academic experience that I've heard about that obviously the schools made its reputation on? What, what do you say to folks who have questions about the, the part-time MBA or executive MBA academic experience? Yeah, I, I would say that a lot of candidates ask uh, what the academic experience is like and how it compares to the full-time program. Um, not only is the curriculum the same, like we talked about the, you know, the Darden core curriculum consisting of 10 general management and enterprise courses, uh, along with the elective courses that are offered. Um, but the, the faculty are also the same, right? Um, our top-ranked faculty teach across formats, so students are getting the same classroom experience. Many of them drive up from Charlottesville for in-person classes, and they also engage with students across formats. So um, even last week, we had one of the professors come up, and he was excited to join our part-time students for dinner before class. And so I would say the learning experience is the same, but also um, that connection and, and uh, relationship building is the same. Yeah, I, I, love, I love your point about the core, right? Darden's a general management program. The goal here is to help students grow as leaders and managers. That, that's true across all of all of Darden's programs. Everybody starts with the core. Now the pacing of the core is, is different uh, from program to program. For example, um, in the full-time MBA program, uh, the students are really doing the core in quarters one through one through four in their, their first year. In the executive MBA program, uh, the core is quarters one through six, really the first 12 months of the program. Part-time MBA, you do the core as a cohort in 18 months. Um, and so a little bit slower in the part-time MBA program as they go through that core curriculum. But the core is where every Darden student starts. And then you have an elective period uh, that follows. That's true across all, 
all of Darden's MBA formats. And so this kind of idea of you get this broad foundation and then you move into an elective period where you can choose to take a deeper dive or specialize in, in a particular topic if that's something that you want to do. Interestingly enough, I think we get this question a lot about concentrations and focus areas. And I think it's so interesting uh, to talk with prospective students about it because the philosophy at Darden is, is very much a generalist one uh, to help you gain that C-suite perspective, to think about problems as you would if you were a senior leader leading an organization. That's not typically a specialist view. That tends to be much more of a generalist, broad enterprise perspective. And so there's no pressure on students here to focus in a particular area or to take a deep dive. You can choose as you're picking electives really to follow your interests um, wherever they wherever they might lead you. Um, and so, you know, I think I think oftentimes when I think about the experience, you have the core plus electives, but you also have other aspects of the experience that I think are, are important similarities. Right. Everybody has a learning team. Um, and so whether you're full time, part time, you're an executive based student, everybody's assigned a five to six person learning team prior to the start of school. What, what do you tell students about the learning teams, Allie? Yeah, no, I, I love talking about the learning teams, um, especially when it when it's in relation to also community building, which I know we'll talk about a little later in our in our conversation. But um, so uh, students come in and, and during the core process of the core courses, they're, they're scheduled. Uh, sorry, they are given um, five to six people that are fellow students um, and they're put on a team together and they study together. Um, it, you know, they practice the case method and they, they go through those cases together and prepare for classes. And they're really a support system for you. I think I've talked to so many students who say, I've met, you know, my learning team and I think I'll be friends with them for life because not only do you build that relationship with them, but you're also studying and preparing these, these cases with them. And I think, um, you know, you're going through so many cases that it's it's kind of hard to be on top of everything and you have this support group to really bounce the ideas off of and, and hear feedback on as you prepare for class. Absolutely. And so you have this learning team and we make those assignments for our executive MBA and part-time MBA students to make them prior to the start of school. And we actually introduce you to your learning team uh, before the first day of classes to give you a chance to, to make some connections, get to know each other so that, you know, when you show up first day of class, you at least know a few people, but hopefully you've had a chance to meet a few more of your classmates and just your learning team as you prepared uh, to get started in August. Um, the other thing I think that's important to note is case method, right? Darden is known for being a case method school, uh, this really interactive participatory discussion-based way of learning. Um, Darden has this four-step learning model, individual preparation, group preparation. Uh, that's where the learning team comes in. That's step two. Step three is the case discussion, what happens in class. And step four is reflection. That is the model across all of Darden's MBA formats. And so case method instruction, if you talk to our executive MBA students and our part-time MBA students about why they're at Darden, you will likely hear something about the case method, the opportunity to be an active participant in their learning experience. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. The other thing that I think is also also relevant here is who teaches these classes, right? So executive MBA, part-time MBA students, I think sometimes people wonder, is it a different faculty uh, that are teaching in these working professional programs? And the reality is the core curriculum at Darden is always taught by full-time Darden faculty. So people who teach in the executive MBA and part-time MBA programs, uh, they also will teach in, in the full-time MBA program, it, vice versa. It's not a separate faculty. Everybody, um, the core is always taught uh, by full-time uh, Darden faculty. And then when you get into the electives, this is true across all of our MBA programs. The electives can be taught by a broader set of faculty, professors of practice, adjunct 
faculty. And, and that's true, again, across all of our MBA programs. But the core, because it is so foundational and so important uh, to the experience, is, is, is taught by full-time uh, Darden faculty. Those are just a few of the things when you start talking about academic experience that I think it's important to highlight. When we do overview webinars, I always start with this, what's the same across Darden's MBA formats? Because I think it's important for people to realize this. It's the same degree because there's so much commonality when you look at the core of the academic experience. Now, when you talk about schedule and format and all that kind of stuff, yes, uh, that's different. Uh, but a lot of the DNA is is the same. Um, Ali, you began, you began touching on this earlier, but sort of the natural extension of talking about things like the case method in learning team is to also talk about the sense of community uh, in, in our working professional formats. And, and I will say, you uh, get a question, some variants of, of this question from prospective students of like, can you really have a community in a, in a working professional program? Is it possible to really be engaged as a, as a working professional student? Yes, I, I think that question comes up um, quite often in, in my conversations because you're working professionals, you're balancing everything. And uh, some have even completed a prior degree that was maybe fully online, uh, you know, which maybe had more virtual elements than in person. And uh, both of our working professional programs were created with building community and networking in mind. Um, each program has a combination of in-person and virtual elements, allowing for students to, you know, see each other frequently and connect. Um, within the classroom, but even outside the classroom. Uh, we talked about the learning teams, right? So we, we create these learning teams for you so that you can get together, study, um, and prepare for class as part of the, the case method learning style. And then also um, you eat lunch together or, or dinner um, or, you know, and, and so there's lots of different opportunities for, for people to connect. Um, and then lastly, we do have student-led clubs and initiatives uh, that host uh, both on-site and off-site um, activities and ways for the community to connect and, and stay together. Um, so that really creates a lot of ways for students to stay engaged and plug into the community. Yeah, I always share with folks when you start talking about community and working professional programs, it's, it's really a question of intention and also the orientation of your fellow classmates. Uh, you kind of rewind back and you think about the learning experience that students have chosen here at Darden. Well, they've, they've chosen to be an active participant in their learning experience. Uh, no one is coming to Darden and saying, you know what, I just really like to sit in the back of the classroom, just kind of hear what other people have to say. I mean, yes, you're going to listen to your classmates a lot, but you're also going to show up to class ready to participate, to offer a perspective on what's going on in the case, to advocate perhaps for a decision that you, that you think should be made. And so if you think about that, you have 65, 130 uh, classmates who've all chosen uh, to be active participants in their learning experience. And you are learning about your classmates while you're learning about accounting, finance, marketing, operations. I think oftentimes when we talk about community uh, in business schools, it can be really kind of a very extracurricular concept. And, and certainly at Darden, you, you have clubs and organizations, as Ali noted, you have things like the Executive Student Association, Part-Time Student Association, opportunities for student leadership. But the root uh, of community is very much within the classroom because of how you're learning. You're hearing about your classmates' work experience. You're hearing about their life experience, how they think about things, how they process information. So all of that information, your picture of who these people are, you're beginning to fill that in uh, as you are learning uh, in, in the classroom. And I think that is different than how most people uh, think about the, their previous learning experiences, which is probably more didactic, more sage on the stage, lecture-based 
type thing. And then it's outside of class where you really get to know your classmates. And so think about the group of people who have chosen this learning experience. You're not only learning about them, but they, I think they're also more inclined to be engaged outside of the classroom, right? They've already chosen a high engagement form of, of learning. Why not also get in, in, involved outside the classroom? I, I think the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, different strokes, different folks, right? Not every executive MBA or part-time MBA student is going to seek out club organization leadership or that sort of thing. It depends a little bit on your priorities or where you want to put your time and energy. But if you are a student who is looking for that opportunity, there is a lot that's here for working professional students. And I think sometimes people think I have to give that up to do a working professional program. But the reality is you don't. You, you can you can have both. Um, but Ali, this this point about where you put your time and energy, I think, is important for all MBA students. Definitely. Um, I, I would say that uh, that's a really good point. I, I think uh, you're balancing so many things as a working professional, right? You're, you're balancing work and life. And um, it's it's a great way to kind of think about your time and where you're putting that and um, but still engage in in ways that are maybe not traditional. Right. You're not doing that traditional path of, of the full time, but uh, you're still there's opportunities to engage if you're looking for it. Well, let's talk about some of the myths I think that that may stand in the way of someone submitting an application or that we're often having to unpack with people uh, on phone calls and in chats uh, where people maybe let's uh, assume that every other applicant looks a certain way or comes from a certain background or has a certain CV resume. Um, this kind of idealized applicant feels like it's occasionally in the room when we're talking with prospective students. And, and by that, I mean, it's somebody who has you know, studied business in, a, as a, in an undergrad, is working in a particular kind of industry, a particular kind of role, um, this very sort of, quote unquote, traditional business school applicant. Um, and I, I feel like it's interesting to hear prospective students channel that and, and to share that. I think it's, it's good for us to hear because our experience with the students at, here at Darden across all of our MBA formats, but particularly also uh, within our part-time MBA and executive MBA, it's just very different. I mean, we have so many different kinds of students from so many different backgrounds. So when uh, somebody says to you, Allie, I'm worried I don't have the right academic profile or academic background uh, for this program. What do you, what do you say to that, that person? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great um, common misconception that I hear a lot when I'm speaking with candidates who are worried that their backgrounds will not align with what we're looking for in a like in an MBA candidate. Um, and I do agree that it, it kind of shock at first it's kind of shocking like oh, um, you know. But students in our part time and executive MBA program, as you said, um, they're from so many different backgrounds and industries. Um, and this diversity is, is what makes the Darden learning experience dynamic and valuable. Um, in our executive MBA class, I think there's over 40 unique undergraduate majors in this last class. And um, in our part-time class, we also saw a wide range of majors, uh, you know, like business and in engineering, political science, history, psychology, and much more. So there's so many different backgrounds in the room, uh, you know, for uh, not only the academic experience, uh, but also within the, you know, industries that are represented. I, I think over 20, per, 20 industries are represented in each class. And so you're seeing even their work experience is very vast. Yeah, lots of different employers. Uh, I think candidates sometimes worry that being different is a, is a liability uh, in the application process. But I always encourage people to flip that around. Like as an admissions committee, we're trying to get a sense of who you are. Uh, specifically, and, and we use this metaphor of three-legged stool, where we say, you know, there's really three key elements of any any application: it's the personal, the academic, and the professional. 
your goal as an applicant is to have your what makes you unique really shine through. Um, we're interested in your story because you sort of wind back to the academic experience conversation. You think about that case method interaction. Um, having 65 people in a classroom who all have the same perspective or all kind of unpack information the same way, that's not a very interesting case discussion. Um, but you know, if we can have a lot of difference present there, lived experience, work experience, just perspective, just what people bring to that classroom, the more difference is present in that classroom, the, the richer the conversation. So uh, when you're thinking about the application process, don't worry about who else you think is applying. Focus on your story and think about how the application can really help you convey that story. That, that's what we're interested in. Uh, we always talk to candidates about this idea of application priorities, right? You can't app, you can't share everything about yourself through the application. It's effectively an initial introduction to you. So what's most important uh, for you to share? And, and if you kind of flip it on sort of thinking about like, something that makes you different as being a weakness, but actually thinking about it as a as a point of strength uh, for you, because that, we're really interested in in, in that in all of that diversity and having as much difference as, as possible. Um, so you see that um, when people worry that they don't have the right academic background. You also see it, Ali, uh, when it comes to professional background. I think some candidates worry, okay, I haven't managed people. I haven't had X kind of responsibility. Is that okay? Um, what do you say to folks who, who raise who raise that question? Yeah, I, I do think that a lot of students uh, or prospective students who are thinking, oh, to get an MBA, I need to be a manager or I have to have managed people. Um, and we have students from so many different stages in their careers, both in part-time and executive MBA, kind of as we mentioned before. Uh, and we do not expect applicants to be a manager or have management experience to be competitive. Um, I think some applicants are preparing to climb into leadership and the MBA is, is a way to really sharpen their current skills and prepare them for their future career goals. Um, other applicants may, you know, be more technical, like in a technical role, and they're looking to fill a gap in their business knowledge to better serve in their current roles or even in, in future roles. Uh, so at the end of the day, an MBA is a tool to prepare you for your future career goals, and it can be used in so many different ways. And our admissions team knows that. Yeah, we we are pretty broad-minded when we think about what leadership can look like uh, within an organization um, and management. Yes, it could be people management, but maybe you were responsible for uh, a budget or a project or uh, the list goes on. Um, again, I, I always encourage candidates, don't compare yourself to some fictional ideal applicant. Focus on what makes you you. And affirmatively, like the more you can uh, lean into that and really embrace that, I think that makes for an overall stronger application because then you're thinking about, well, how do I really make this uh, come through in the application? How can I leverage each element of the application to tell this story? And I think if you do that and you go through it, the application process in that way, you know that when you press submit that you've really given yourself the best shot. I think when people get themselves in kind of a, a difficult situation as an applicant is when they're trying to be whatever version of an applicant they think the admissions committee is looking for. And that that's not what we would encourage you to do. We would encourage you to be your authentic self, to really bring who you are forward in the application process um, and, and let that let that shine. Um, and so a lot of these things that we're talking about them here because Honestly, I think that they are things that people perceive as barriers. I don't have this background. I haven't had this set of responsibility. I, you know, I haven't done X, Y, or Z. 
Um, and the reality is many of our students, to Allie's point, are on, on uh, different points in, in these journeys, uh, professionally, academically. Um, talk about the academic point just uh, quickly. You know, people wonder, OK, so I haven't taken accounting, finance, that sort of thing. OK, um, but what about when I get started in the program and, you know, you're going to have all these classes? Well, nice thing about having some time before the start of school is that you have a chance to brush up and we have a lot of pre-matriculation resources uh, for students out there because we know um, we have many students in our program who have not had prior experience with this top with these with this content and so it's a great opportunity to take advantage of some of that time you have before you start a program to think about where your areas of uh, your gaps may be where what areas you might want to strengthen your basic understanding of, of language vocabulary terminology and um, we're here here to help you along uh, that journey. And so um, there's also support uh, along uh, these dimensions, too. Um, one of the common things is sort of maybe a sub part of this, like, I don't have the right professional background, Ali, is people really get thrown off by this word executive and executive MBA. And any number of people I've talked to have said, well, I'm not a senior leader or I don't think of myself as an executive. Uh, can I still do this program or is this really the right program for me? And um, I would say that's like the number one myth. I think this is this is the one that absolutely has to be busted. We, we have to bust this up. Uh, this comes up way too much. What, what do you say to these folks? Yes, I would say this myth comes up very often. And you do not need to be an executive or in senior leadership to apply for the executive MBA program here at Darden. Um, students are in various stages of their career within that program. Um, you know, and and. There's a range of five to 25 years of work experience in the classroom with an overall average of 11 to 12 years of work experience. Um, I know the word executive makes some people hesitate to apply. I've also spoken to a few people um, who fit the profile of an executive MBA student, but they think the program is for senior leadership. And, um, or, you know, they're thinking, oh, I'm not there in my career and I'm not hoping to climb into an executive role right now. Um, and that's not the case. Uh, so the best way to find out if the program is a good fit for you is to connect with us, ask about your specific situation. We can look over your resume, talk through the process with you. Uh, we have ways to connect through our website. You can shine up, sign up for chats with us. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to go through your specific situation and kind of talk through the problem um, through your uh, application and, and how that process looks. But uh, you do not need to be an executive to apply for that program. Yeah, executive MBA program, we have a preferred work experience minimum of five years. So if you just consider that, um, that would at least suggest to you that not everybody in the program is an executive, but let's let's play this out. Um, so let's talk about who the executive MBA students are, right? As Ali mentioned, you have this wide distribution of, of students from around five years of work experience to 25 plus years of work experience. The, the middle 80% of an executive MBA class in terms of years of work experience is typically from around eight to maybe 18. 20 years of work experience. So if you walk into an executive MBA classroom and you look around, you'll typically see a lot of people from maybe late 20s to early 40s. That, that's going to be the, the bulk of the students. Now, that doesn't describe everybody in the class. And we have folks who are individual contributors. We also have people who would effectively describe themselves as, as senior leaders uh, in, in, in organizations. And I actually think this diversity is something that students really appreciate. And I, again, we're going to keep coming back to the case method and the learning experience here because it's really the context for so much of what we do as an admissions committee. And so if you think about that case method discussion to have people at, at different points and levels in the organization, 
maybe different points in their career, it can really add something um, to, to that conversation. Now, at the same time, one of the things that we encourage candidates to think about uh, when they're looking at our MBA formats is to really think about where most of the students in a particular format are in their career and what's going to be your peer group. Ali, I know this is a question that, that comes up all the time, particularly as people are looking at part-time MBA and executive MBA. You know, our part-time MBA students look a lot like our full-time MBA students in terms of years of work experience. You know, the range is two to 14 years, two to 13, 14 years. Um, in, in the past two classes, the average years of work experience in part-time MBA is five and a half. The middle 80 percentile uh, for the part-time MBA class is three years to eight years in terms of work experience. So there is some overlap uh, between part-time MBA and executive MBA. But I do think if you are a prospective student and you're kind of thinking about these two programs together, you'd be well served to really think about which group has more of your peers in it, where are you going to find more people who are on your level, wrestling with similar type challenges and 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 opportunities at, at work, because that's really going to be the richest learning experience. And I think this is where a case method participatory learning experience might be a little bit different than, say, a lecture based uh, approach, because we want to put you in an environment that's going to be challenging and engaging for you, given the fact that you're going to be in active discussions in, in class. I think I think it's really, really important. Ali, but anything else that you share, particularly as people think about their their profile from work experience standpoint, they're looking at part time MBA, looking at executive MBA. I think you've covered a lot of ground uh, talking through kind of how to visualize, um, you know, the classroom experience, how to get the best out of the program and really see what which program is the best fit for you. Um, I, I would say that that is a, a big part of the experience, right? You want to make sure that you're in a in a classroom surrounded by individuals who are, are similar background or someone you can learn from. And, and I think that, that that's a really great way to, to start with that approach. Um, but then again, as I mentioned before, if you have questions, if you're wondering where you're at and where you fit uh, with, between the programs, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. We're a resource for you. Yeah, the other thing that we found helpful for candidates, if they're particularly kind of not sure about part-time or exec and could feel like they could go either way, is to come sit in on a class. Um, I know that may sound time intensive, but there is something really powerful about that visualization experience right getting in the classroom looking around sort of asking the question of like do i feel like this group of people is really my peer set or is it maybe another another group maybe if you're in a part-time club maybe check out the executive maybe do both i know that oh gosh that's an evening and a, and a weekend um, but it's a big decision right we want to make sure that you know the way that our application process is structured you can only apply to one program at, you know, and so at, at a time. And so you need to do this research up front and, and you and you really need to think about this before you get started. You can't apply to executive MBA and part-time MBA simultaneously. We really want you to have done that legwork and know which format is of interest to you. So whatever you need to do to kind of be confident in that and also have a good understanding about why you're interested in this particular program. Allie, that's, a, that's an important question for us in the interview. Um, I know that's something that I always find really really insightful. We don't ask just why MBA. We also ask why Darden and tell me about this particular program. Um, and so that's that's also something that can be really helpful. Coming for a class visit can help that help make that even more vivid. Um, so somewhat related to some of these like do I have the right background, professional background, et cetera, type uh, type mis misunderstandings, myths, whatever language you want to use here is a lot of people assume that in our working professional programs, 
everyone is sponsored. And typically the conversation will come up like, like this. Well, I'm sure all the students in your program are sponsored, but I'll be self-funding uh, for my MBA. That is, that's generally the way the question uh, has been posed to me. And I think that's so interesting because the reality is most of our students are self-funding. Very few of them are fully co company sponsored or even significantly uh, company sponsored. Do you get this question a lot? I do. And you know what? makes me wonder where these myths originate sometimes because I, I think that some people think, oh, I'll be the only one in the room that's not sponsored by my company. When in fact, uh, you know, the majority of students are not sponsored by their company. And so they, um, it's not necessarily a thing that, and some people even think it's, it works against them. They think, oh, if I, if I don't have a sponsorship on my application, then I won't be um, as highly considered or, or, as, um, you know, my application will be as strong. And that's also not the case. We, we don't look at whether your company is sponsoring you and, and it doesn't make a huge difference in the academic, um, you know, and us reviewing your application and, and what that decision is. Yeah, I think, I think uh, so if we're really kind of talking about uh, this a little bit more, this company sponsorship thing. Uh, we know from conversations with current students uh, that some of them are leveraging a professional development benefit to pay for the program, which is, you know, it might be $5,200 or so uh, per calendar year. Um, and, you know, that's that may seem like a relatively small amount of money. But if you think about the executive MBA program, for example, uh, it's a 21 month program. You start in August, you graduate 21 months later in May, but that's actually across three calendar years. So if you think about our part time MBA program, also start in August. And the standard pacing is 33 months later, again in May, but that would be over four calendar years. So every little bit helps. So if you do that math, even if you have that professional development funding available, to you, that could be $15,000, $20,000. Uh, we also know from talking with current students that some of them had the opportunity perhaps to have a more significant level of company sponsorship, uh, but they declined it because they wanted to have more flexibility. Uh, post-MBA to pursue their career interests and goals. And we're going to talk about a uh, career-related myth in, in just a second. Um, but I, I'll say when you talk about paying uh, for the program, and, and just to kind of to, to clarify one thing, uh, the reason why they might decline that to have more flexibility on the back end is typically a company sponsorship comes with an expectation of, of work post-MBA. Um, so if, if you're in if you're in uh, a program for two years, it could be oftentimes three years post completion of the MBA. If you leave before that period of time, you will likely have to pay that money back to the employer. That's how some many of these are structured. And oftentimes students who get an MBA, it's about expanding opportunities, discovering new things about yourself. People just want more flexibility. And so we know of instances where students have actually declined uh, some of the company sponsorship because of the trade-off. Uh, between the money and, and flexibility, it didn't make sense for them. Uh, but if you just talk about buckets of funding, I think this is a natural place to kind of talk about this. Um, since many of our students are self-funding, the natural question is, um, well, where where are they getting the money to pay for for the program? You know, what where are the sources? What are the sources that I should be aware of? Well, all all admitted students are automatically considered uh, for a scholarship award, and we do have scholarships. Uh, for part-time and executive MBA students. And that is an automatic review that happens parallel with the admissions process. And we release the scholarship decision at the same time as the admissions decision. Uh, we know it's important piece of information. We wanna make sure you have it as soon as possible and, and can have that information in front of you before you have to make a commitment uh, to Darden well in advance uh, of your deposit deadline. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the myths, Allie, if, if I can be bold here, is that there are not scholarships. 
for part-time and an executive MBA students. That is that is absolutely a myth. Uh, we have scholarship money. Uh, the general advice of the scholarship award is really an important part of your of your MBA decision-making process. Try to apply as early as you can. We have more money available early in, in early in the cycle. Although last year we were able to, to make awards all throughout both cycles, expect that probably will be the case again. But it is true we have a finite amount of scholarship money. So try to apply as early as you you can. Um, and certainly we'll have more money early in the cycle. Um, the other other source of, of funding as you're ticking along is okay. Anything from your employer. We talked about company sponsorship, uh, but even professional development funding. We talked about the potential benefit of that. Um, you also have uh, loans, educational loans uh, for U.S. citizens and eligible non-citizens, uh, eligible for loans to the federal government, what are called direct loans. There's really two primary loans uh, that people will use uh, to pay for the program if they choose to go with uh, the federal loan option. Uh, there'll be what's called a direct loan, previously called a Stafford loan, um, that is capped around $20,500. And then there's an additional loan, a grad plus loan that can be added to that direct loan. All the way up to the full cost of attendance um, and so those are your primary loan sources uh, there's personal savings uh, as well many of our students have been planning for this step for a while or maybe they're continuing obviously they're continuing to earn uh, as they go through the program these are both part-time mba and executive mba are both working professional programs so you also have that income stream that can be helpful and we also see students leveraging earned benefits uh, the most obvious one ones being military benefits uh, post 9-11 GI Bill being the most common uh, veteran benefit that we see, but although there are other programs that students also uh, leverage. And it, we have a really helpful page on our website. If you're thinking about using post 9-11 uh, GI Bill benefits, please do spend some time on our financial aid section of, of our website, just looking at what would be covered, um, uh, historically what our experience has been uh, with the VA. And so I, I think those are the buckets uh, that I always cite uh, for folks when they're thinking about how to pay for this. Um, at least gives you some structure to think about where the funding can come from. Allie, anything else you'd want to add here? I don't know. I think you covered a lot of the, the buckets that I also um, review. And, and this is all on the, the website as well. So it's, it's good to go through, um, look at the, the scholarship options, um, you know, also check the financial aid website. It, it does break down the um, the different loans that you you could do and, and processes like that. So I do recommend checking checking out the website. All right. So I promised that we would talk about a career related myth um, that oftentimes comes up when talking with prospective students. And I think there's actually a few uh, career related myths. So let's uh, maybe start with the one that I get the most questions about is. Something like, are, is there career support uh, for exec and part-time students? Uh, is there anybody who works with these students uh, on their career goals? What do you say to the, that question? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are, are worried that because they are currently working professionals, um, they're not going to have career support like the full-time program. Um, but our working professional students have the same access to career support as our full-time students. Um, many of these services, you know, they're provided in Charlottesville. But they're also here in D.C. and, you know, also remotely, um, allowing students to engage at times and places that align with their schedule. Um, as a student, you'll have access to career coaching, leadership coaching, career education sessions and courses throughout your time here, um, as well as, you know, networking with companies and with alumni. Uh, so whether applicants are seeking a promotion within their company planning to start a new business or thinking of, you know, a career switch that they're going to be making. 
Um, Darden has resources within our career center that can help you in advancing your career. Yeah, I think, I mean, they do all kinds of great things. One-on-one uh, -on -one appointments are a big part of it. Um, and the team can play a variety of roles, uh, counselor, cheerleader, accountability coach. Uh, it really does start with the individual year. I think the reason why I always feel like this, it's important to start with one-on-one -on -one meetings is we don't take this sort of like one-size-fits-all approach to career support. It's much more sort of working with each individual student, developing a plan for that student. Now, I will say, in most of these plans, informational networking is going to be a big part of the process. And that's and that's particularly true uh, for part time MBA and executive MBA students. If you are here to make a career switch uh, and, you know, over 50 percent of our executive MBA students would define themselves as career switchers, meaning they want to move out of their existing role to a new company, a new industry. Uh, and so over 70, 70, 75 percent of our part time MBA students would identify themselves in that way. If, if that's what you want to do, uh, there's a lot of important networking that has to happen. Uh, you want to reality test uh, this idea that you have about this company, this industry. The, only, the best way to do that is by talking to people who are in the kinds of companies, in the kinds of roles that are of interest to you. And the career team is going to be really instrumental in helping you think about that. Uh, but they also do resume reviews, cover letter uh, help. Uh, they they do interview prep. They will even help you negotiate uh, your job offer. You got a job offer from great news, but is it a good one? And where might you be able to push it on some of the benefits or the salary? It's soup to nuts, uh, full full uh, individual career counseling support. Um, in addition, uh, I'll note that they do career workshops and education programming. Uh, they facilitate alumni interactions. We've had an alumni networking reception up here just a few weeks ago in, in Roslyn. That's gonna be, I think a couple times a year uh, thing. Uh, where students, current students, have the opportunity to connect with alumni who are here representing uh, their employers. Um, so it, the list goes on. The other thing that's kind of cool about our working professional programs is that you also have credit-bearing career-focused coursework. Um, and so a course that you might hear about uh, from, from our students is a course called the Professional Advancement Course. Um, that's a course where you really have an opportunity to dig in with why you're here from a career standpoint and begin to develop a roadmap for yourself. And the nice thing is it's built into the curriculum. And as a working professional student, the biggest challenge that students will, will cite is time. You have a lot of things competing for your time. You're doing school and a lot of other things at, at the same time. And so how do you carve out time for career stuff? It's effectively like having another class. So, you know, by building some of this into the curriculum for our working professional students, it gives them credit for doing something that it could be otherwise more challenging uh, for them to find time for. And so um, that's been a real, real winner for us um, with with our executive MBA population historically and, and also now our, our part time MBA. Um, so there is career support. And I mentioned this, uh, but I want to spend a little bit more time with this. Like, Allie, a lot of people are like, can I even switch jobs uh, if I'm in a part time program or executive MBA program? Do people even in these programs? Is it possible to make a career switch afterwards, or do I have to do the full-time program to do that? Yeah, I think that's a big worry, right? I think we mentioned people are worried they won't get career support. They're worried they can't switch careers because they're already working professional. Um, but again, that that is also a myth. Uh, you know, people do switch jobs. It's definitely possible. In fact, many of our prospective students are surprised to learn that roughly 60% of our executive MBA class um, identify as switchers. And that number actually grows as students progress throughout the program. So we, we've seen that uh, within our part-time class, I think you mentioned that 
we do have a good amount identifying as uh, switchers as well, though we don't have career data on them yet because they're our first cohort is set to graduate in um, 2025. But we're excited to see, um, you know, their interest in, in switching careers and how that will really uh, come come to fruition. But I but I think that it's definitely possible. Um, you know, there's there's various reasons for making this switch, right? Um, and there's various reasons for the reason why this is possible. Uh, one of the reasons that we see is, you know, as students are doing this MBA program, they start to learn more about themselves. They're growing, um, you know, they're they're deciding, uh, you know, what could be best for them. Um, many of our students, you know, decided to pursue their MBA for technical skills, um, but they'll tell you that they really get something much deeper and personal out of the experience. Um, and it really enabled them to move their career forward. Yeah, I, I appreciate your your talking through that. I, I think uh, it is one of the more common questions that comes up on our one on one calls with folks. Uh, they worry that if they do one of these working professional programs, that they won't be able to make some desired career transition. And uh, the reality is, um, you know, we have students who are exploring a lot of different paths in all of these programs. I, I think sometimes when people join us for uh, career sessions, they'll hear us use this language around switchers, climbers, entrepreneurs. Well, the reality is uh, most students are in a fourth category of explorer, where they're really considering a couple of paths, right? They, they may be looking to make a switch, change function and or industry, move out of their existing uh, company, but they also may be open to climbing within their company, depending upon the opportunities uh, that are presented. And so they're kind of here to see, take the time that they're in the program, work with the career team, do the networking, see what's possible. And our MBA is going to open a lot of doors for you. So why not explore? So most of our students would be fairly considered explorers. And, you know, I think one of the things if um, you know people think about the career transition process, making a switch, I mean, the reality is for executive MBA and part-time MBA students, an internship is not part of the model. And I think sometimes people uh, hear that, you know, like, oh, well, how do you make a, make a career switch? And I think that's such an interesting question because it discounts like how most people find find their job, right? It's you do informational networking to test the idea uh, that you have about what you'd like to do. And that's an iterative process. You're going to have some conversations where you're going to feel like, yes, I'm on the right track. And then you're going to have another conversation where you think, maybe this isn't quite what I want to do. But through that process, you're going to start to refine your idea of what your next step is going to be. And then you're once you have that idea, you're then going to start looking for opportunities. And, and most students, if you want to talk about the pacing of this, so executive MBA's 21-month program, the first year of the program, is really where you see students take that time for exploration, reality testing ideas, doing a lot of informational networking, so that by the time they round from the summer into the fall of their second year, they can then hit the ground running on the job application process. So first year exploration, second year really much more applying for jobs if they're looking to make a switch, because a lot of students are trying to line it up around the time of graduation. And many of the roles that they're interested in, the employers are hiring for folks who have their MBA and will have their MBA prior to showing up at work. And so, you know, that that's the nature, sort of the life cycle for, for executive MBA students. For part-time MBA students looking to make a switch, uh, they have really kind of two years uh, to, to explore because, again, the part-time MBA is about a year slower than the executive MBA at the standard pacing, 33 months. And so they have a couple of years. So they when they enter that final year of study, that's when a lot of the students in that third year are going to be applying for things and really the rubber meets the road on that. And 
that is really the, the process. Students can participate in on-grounds recruiting in, in that final year for post-MBA full-time positions. And again, that that's the right timing because the employers who are posting for those roles, they are uh, they are looking for people who will have their MBA prior to showing up at work. And so um, those are the same positions that our full-time MBA students can apply for in their second year uh, What through what they would refer to as re-recruiting, but it's just still recruiting, um, but for post-MBA full-time positions. And so th those opportunities are open to executive MBA students, part-time MBA students uh, as well. But the reality is that at the core of all this is this informational networking and network-driven search. Because what's going to happen is once you start applying, uh, for these roles, whether it's through on-grounds recruiting, uh, meaning when employers come to Darden to interview or off-grounds recruiting, where employers post uh, roles, opportunities with the career team at Darden. Once you once you find a role and you apply for it, you're going to activate that network that you've built and you're going to let them know, hey, I applied for, for this job with your organization. Is there anybody that I should speak to? Is there anybody uh, that you would recommend I, I reach out to? And that is how all this fits together and why networking is such a huge part of the job search process for any MBA student, full-time MBA, part-time MBA, executive MBA, because you have to get known beyond your resume, beyond your cover letter, beyond the paper that you're submitting. Ali, anything else that you share with folks um, on this career front? Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of resources on our website. I know I, I've been plugging that a bit today. Uh, but I just think that it's a it's a resource that's underused, um, and there's just a lot of knowledge on there. Uh, and then also, you know, um, coming to us, talking to us one on one, coming to those class visits, kind of talking to students, hearing about their experience with the career center and how they're how they're doing things. Um, all great ways to to learn more about the process and uh, and hear more than just from us, but but from others. Yeah, we are actually going to have a webinar coming up in November um, with our career team talking about career resources for working professional students. I, I think that's those sessions are always super helpful just to kind of get an overview of the ways that we support uh, these students. So if I'm going to summarize what we've talked about um, here, uh, Ali, I, I think it I hope this doesn't sound like a hot take, but like maybe it's a little bit of like everything you, you've assumed about executive MBA and part-time MBA programs is probably not true. Uh, like something like that. Is that, is that where we've landed here? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's correcting assumptions. It's busting myths. I think you, you called it uh, a myth buster podcast. And I, I think that definitely aligns. Uh, we really just want to make sure that the correct information is out there and that we can get these resources um, to applicants. Yeah. As Ali noted, uh, we have this conversation today because these are some of the most common uh, myths that we encounter as we talk with prospective students, things that really do feel like they're standing in the way of people moving forward with their MBA journey and, and, and plans. And, um, you know, you may have questions that are unique to your situation and, and you want to talk one on one with and, and somebody about it. And so we have lots of opportunities uh, for that, we, whether it's a phone call, it's one of these in-person consultations that we're doing. Uh, we also have small group uh, virtual chats. Lots of ways uh, for you to connect and, and get your questions answered. So hopefully we'll see you again soon. But um, hopefully this podcast was helpful to you as you continue to learn about Darden's uh, work in professional MBA programs. And that was my interview with Ali Torres, Assistant Director of Admissions for Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec. That's E-X-E-C-M-B-A at dart.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe 
Be well, and thanks for listening.